love is where it all begins. Hey everybody, welcome to Crime Over Cocktails. I'm Tiffany, your host, and today I have Christina Foxwell. Hi, so good to be here today. Oh my the God. rain hasn't kept us apart. It has not. <laughs> you know, from down under, we watched the craziness happening and I was thinking of you all the time. Thank you for having me on your show. Oh my God, I am so happy to have you on your show. You are just so adorable. I love you. <laughs> mm, I send you love back. <laughs> I don't know where you want to begin on your journey. I know you said you were married to a police officer at a very young age. I was. I was. I'm happy to walk you through the journey, shall I? Yes, why not? Okay, so first let me preface it with this. I think we all have a story and I think even my husband, a first husband who where I suffered domestic violence and some of my partners post probably have a story too. Um, and that's their story to heal from, not mine. But I'll share my story that I've been called to heal from. How does that sound? Perfect. Okay. So um, I grew up in a minister's home. So if you know any ministers or pastors kids we're always the naughtiest of the batch because we have to behave ourselves and uh it's almost asking us to not be human uh, and then I think at a certain time we realize that we are really human but because of all the rules I think um we're trying to be good people but we just weren't allowed to probably navigate life the way other kids were at least that was my experience Lots of love. So so looking back at my life, I think my story started when I was five and I was molested by a family member because I've got to go there first. And at that stage, my parents uh, didn't quite know what to do. I don't think you quite know what to do, you know. Um, Did they believe be you though? Well, this was the thing. They put me back to bed when I told them. And I felt like maybe I dreamt it, maybe it wasn't real, maybe I just made it up. But how does a five-year-old make stuff up like that? And my voice was taken away. I was hushed. And I was hushed because what would the community say if anything like that happened in a pastor's home? What would uh, the repercussions be? in the family. It was just too big, like too big to comprehend. A few years ago, I sat down with my mum when I really needed to look at this awful little secret in my closet. And I said, mum, what happened? And she said, did it ever happen again? I said, no. She said, well, your dad would have addressed it. I said, that's fine and well, but I didn't feel acknowledged. So I started my cycles of needing to be loved, needing to be accepted because I felt there was something bad about me. Going to relationships, always extending too much. My husband that I married when I was 21, we dated when we were 18, before he, we grew up together in the same community. You know, they say if you meet someone in the same community and you guys grow up together, the likelihood that you'll be happy together is probably higher than not. I don't know if that's really a good fact. I, I have no idea. <laughs> um, but he was a riot squad policeman. He worked in the time when Nelson Mandela was coming out of prison and South Africa was doing a massive turnaround. So there was a lot of violence. There was a lot of um, people being shot with AK-47 guns, him being in the mix. you know. So the, his PTSD was real. That makes sense. Does that not make sense? That's the first thing we've got to call out. And I'm not making excuses, but I'm looking at this from every angle. Because uh, I never – one day when I realized it was his problem that he needed to work through – was probably about 10 years after we got divorced and I phoned him the one day because I'd seen a program. I was like, oh, my God, I know what's happening for you. And he told me to just get away from him, that 
he's not having that conversation with me, which is fine. But let me take you back. So the day I said, come, let's date, he arrived there in his little golf, VW golf, um, and uh, he just kept, he's six foot seven, so he had a camouflage uniform and the Ray-Bans and he just kept flowing out the car. He was just very handsome. I was 17, he was 19, and he was just this beautiful human. And all I wanted to do was be loved. And all he wanted to do was date me, and because I wouldn't date him before, he'd asked me before, uh, this was his moment of winning the prize, right? You were a challenge. I was the challenge. (laughs) I think I've always been the challenge, but, you know, our daughter is now 26. We've been divorced for many, many, many years. Um, and so the, he was a a cop and he was also a sportsman well-known in the city where we lived. So not only was he a policeman, but he was a well-known rugby player, be like your football, semi-professional. And so everyone knew us, everyone knew him, everyone knew us. And the challenge started with when we got married at 21 with the rules these are going to be the rules that we're going to be living by now. And uh, he told me as we drove off on honeymoon, and I was like, oh, my goodness. Even have, when I can speak to my parents. Mm. Totally. So the isolation started, the control and isolation, to a degree I'd not seen while we were dating and breaking up and dating in between <laughs> till we got married. You know, we were like, I kept getting cranky and then breaking up, and we, you know, it was – many many signals to show that maybe this wouldn't be right but if you're a codependent like I was you need a controller sometimes it almost feels normal because that's what you're used to I heard someone say the other day I like a man who can tell me what to do I was like woo that's not coming out right you need somebody who will walk next to you Share their wisdom, but allow you to make the decisions that are best for your life. Absolutely. Totally. who you can talk to, when you can leave your house, what you're allowed to wear. Thank you. What you can eat. So when when he was obsessed by my weight, so I weighed 45 kilos when I married him. I was so thin. And on honeymoon, he berated me that I was still overweight. I couldn't have lost much more. Um. But it was a form of control. That, and it seems like he had his own demons, and putting you down probably made himself feel a lot better. Absolutely. It was like he needed to control what he wanted most. So I always said I kind of became a possession. I felt pregnant straight away. Um, honeymoon baby, what a nice way to keep me locked in, right? Oh, God. And I was only 21. I was like, oh, God, now everyone in the church is going to count down to see <laughs> when I'm going to have this baby, Lord. Um, which is the other thing, you know, I think in our journeys, we as a society are so judgmental with each other. And there's such a lack of genuine compassion you know, it's so easy totally to agree. easy to talk about someone and make up a story. So easy. Very hard to sit with them in their own story with compassion. Do you know why? Um, I mean, I have a couple theories. Come on, <laughs> share your theories with me. I think people do that to make themselves feel better, to put themselves at a higher pedestal. Or they're dealing with something themselves, and that's just the way that they compensate for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how I see it is, you've put it nicely, now put it more like define-ish, kind of, okay. Well, so and because beca- people suck. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a few things, right? They judge themselves so harshly. They beat themselves up. Actually, I was watching Facebook today and Trevor Noah was on from the Today Show, I think. And he was making a joke that his 
um, mother dropped him off on uh, to school on a Saturday, and he was so um, scared to say anything that he'd. St- it was just a joke, right? But he'd go anyway. And then he said, "Because my and I got bullied anyway because my brain was beating me up." <laughs> And I was like, wow, that's not far from the truth because that's exactly what happens to all of us. We punish ourselves with thoughts of you can never do that. If you do that, it would be so bad. Uh, Stay away from being bad. Stay away from trouble. Stay away from danger. So when someone shares their story with you, your triggers go off around their story. You experience danger. You disconnect from them. And the only way to make yourself feel safe is you judge them based on your story. Makes total sense. Doesn't it just? Mm-hmm. Damn. And you know how hard it is to stop judging? Very. Come well, on. Once you live in your own head, it's so hard to get out because I, at times, am my own worst enemy. And I'm like, just stop. Just be you. Be you. <laughs> yeah. Let it go. Let's not stress about the crazy stuff that we do sometimes. I think, here's the thing, we are not allowing ourselves to be human, which is perfectly imperfect. And accepting that other people, you said this beautifully earlier on, uh, Tiffany, also have their story. And that they're struggling with their own wrestle with being accepted, loved, perfect, good enough, I can keep going. And so I have to share with you that that marriage was, the, it was terribly traumatic for me. Um. The point, there came a point where he was, we spoke two languages. I don't know if, are you bilingual? Can you speak No, two? I wish. Okay. <laughs> well, I don't even talk, I don't even speak the other language now. I totally understand it. So, because my husband's British now, so we don't speak the other language. But I know, I have married Mr. Darcy. Anyway, he's not sure that's a compliment, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, uh, I get lots of hugs and lots of love, so that's okay. Um, But we were arguing about language because I spoke Afrikaans growing up when he met me. My dad was a minister in a church in, you would say like in Texas. It was in the middle of the country of South Africa. It wasn't Texas, but it was like in the middle of the country, right? And we spoke Afrikaans there, even though I went to an English school. So I grew up fully bilingual. So he only met me Afrikaans. And then when he connected up with me again when we were teenagers, we were living in an English community, and I was speaking English. And when I had my little girl, I wanted to speak English to my little girl because I'm fundamentally English. And um, we had such an argument about language that he lost his temper and I have to tell you, a six foot seven man is a big man. I'm five foot. And he picked me up against the wall with his hands around my throat and started choking me. And my little girl was one and a half. She was crying, hanging on my leg. Mm. Now, when that moment happened for me, I was like, this is not okay for me. It was that moment of, what am I settling with? He's going to kill me. His temper is hitting such a place where he can't control it. He is going to kill me. Now, that might just have been my story, but my survival mechanism kicked in and I went, I can't do this. It's great that you saw that because a lot of people will make excuses and they don't leave. But you knew right then and there that I don't deserve this. And do you really want your daughter to see that growing up? Because she's going to think that's normal. Well, she would have thought that was normal. But I must share with you, Tiffany, I wasn't going to leave. But what happened was, and this is my, this is the parts that I've got to own. Um, I ha- I was running an investment office. I was running an internal customer services team for an investment business down in this coastal city. And we had a girl who I had employed in the reception area who stole money from the business, which was, I know, it was like, oh. so everyone came and the investigator, the forensic investigator arrived from Johannesburg, walked into the office and looked at me, and for the first time I felt seen in years. It was just a weird connection. What happened in that space is 
he took me to dinner uh, and I crossed the line with him. When I came home, I thought, if I can cross a line, this is not the relationship for me. I can't be married. I can't do this. I don't want to do this. I, I felt seen for the first time in years. Is this what it feels like to be seen, to be heard? Is this what connection feels like? And I walked out. Actually, I snuck out because I was too scared to leave while he was there because of the control. He went away for a weekend to do sports because, of course, professionally they travel, right? And I moved out while he wasn't there because I was too scared to leave. I was petrified. Of course. I mean, that was probably your safer safer bet to do. Well, I think when you're in a relationship like that and you're scared, you don't do things at face value that can get you into trouble. I mean, I didn't even talk to strangers in the shopping mall. If <laughs> it was, It's actually quite funny, but it's not funny. Um, my work colleagues, I told them not to greet me. Please don't greet me. Don't greet mm-hmm. me. Just walk right past me. Do not even lock eyes with me. You don't know me. Oh, my gosh. Because of the arguments and the accusations that would happen. Who's that person? Who? Why they, you know, it was just, I was just petrified. So I said, please, don't talk to me. It's not the way to live, right? But no. now let me share this with you. When you've got that imprint of trauma, do you think you can get away from it? I don't think it ever fully goes away. I think you learn other ways to cope with it. And um, it opens your eyes to other things that you might not have seen before. You'll see Mm. flags. You'll see things like that. But it never goes away. Beautifully put. So I call that, that's when I try to start out running the story. Okay. (laughs) The problem is it's a blooming circle. So it's like you're on a running track. And before you know it, you've rinsed and repeated your life again. Yes. (laughs) And I married him again. What? I, Same. Sorry, what? I have to tell you, I shit your listeners not, okay? <laughs> because I moved away with my little girl oh, out of the, into another city in the it, far up north, like 1,200 kilometers away, like far. And But here was the challenge. I didn't know how to work with money properly. I was a single mom living in a town with no support. Um, I was feeling terribly lonely and isolated. It was just work. Our work stuff exploded because they moved systems and it was just a mess because the company transferred me. And my little girl had to go into work with me on weekends to work. I was just exhausted. I was flat out exhausted. Dated someone who was an absolute mess of a human. They robbed me. Like you just go, this can't be the true story. Yes, it is. They robbed me, couldn't pay my rent, needed to move out. My grandmother was living a little bit further up, but she was like 86. And gosh, I love her. She phoned me. She said, I don't have much, but I've got a porch room that's enclosed in my apartment and you guys can come stay there. So there I go, moving to my 86-year-old grandmother's apartment with my two-and-a-half-year-old little girl. and. My family members that lived a little bit further away that I wasn't close to, they helped me move, but they just chucked all my stuff on her floor. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, look, this is crazy. So I went into a state of deep depression. And while I was in that state of deep depression, he phoned me. His mom died. This is my first husband. I have to say first because there's been a few, right? Um <laughs> And he he said, my mom's died, but I've changed my life. I know I've been bad. I know I didn't treat you well. I promise you I've changed. Mm. I want my daughter back. I want you back. I love you. I'll come get you. I'm so sorry. He said all the right things. And I was in the darkest place. So guess what I happened? See that. He yeah. came to get me. Five months, uh, as we got into that relationship again, it was terrible. Uh, it was, we couldn't work through what but what had happened, but we were trying to. 
and um, my parents being religious when you got to get married because you cannot live in sin. I'm like, oh, God. Okay, so we had this little crazy wedding, and at the wedding, just family and all hell broke loose again because, you know, the family were just being mean-spirited and his little light started flicking up at that wedding and I was like, oh, God. And then we bought a house really quickly through this time and um, it started again and it was really bad. The verbal abuse, the mental abuse was very bad. And as luck would have it, I snapped the one day when uh, his rugby mates were there because my little girl had stuck chips, you know, crisps, in the DVD player. And he had told me that it's my fault for not looking after her and watching her. And I was like, are you out of your mind? (laughs) I'm like, really? And he dragged me by my hair. My hair was long down the passage. And everybody left. And that was the moment I was like, no, no, no. But do you see how the story builds? And then you know that the community is being talking about you. You know, you're like this focal point of failure. And your parents, you know, they got a little bit, I think, tired of my story. Um, Not that I needed them to help me, but I tried to move home. But then when I dated someone, my mother was like, you can't live under my roof and you know, so um, it was just crazy. And eventually the story of mine just kept rinsing and repeating with new boyfriends and partners. So I went for guys who were strong, who were difficult, who were controlling, who had their careers all in place because that was the safety piece, right? But I had no voice. Do you remember when I started my story and I said I was molested, but I wasn't heard? Yes. My voice was taken away. So my voice never really, I didn't know how to use it. I didn't know what a boundary looked like. Didn't know how to say no. And so it kept playing out, and I'll share with you, I met my now husband in Canada 16 years ago. Oh. I know, he's a Brit. We were were in the same company. We just had a big global meet. He's a little (laughs) bit younger than me. He's so beautiful. I have to say, we've not not had our issues, truthfully, because I needed to heal, but he is... He's walked me th- with me through this space and we've not given up on each other. That is so important. Isn't that important? Isn't that mm-hmm. important? Anyhow, I then moved to Australia, brought my little kids here. I'm one of those brave, crazy ladies. I got a job offer in Australia. I got a on a visa. I moved. I got, the, I got my daughter's dad to sign her out and he said to me at that time, if I never see you again, it would be too soon. I went, okay. Fine. Like ditto. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. Like whatever makes you happy. My son, I had a son who is now 18, eight years after my daughter was born from a man that I just wanted a baby. I like, didn't want a husband ever again. I was anti-husband. Okay. Met a great engineer. Didn't realize he was bipolar and an alcoholic because you never know. And that's okay too. I was um, a workaholic. So between a workaholic and an alcoholic, we've got a great relationship, right? We're both running from something. Right. And um, we had this beautiful little baby. Once again, parents went, what do I have to do? Get married. Oh, God. (laughs) Parents out there, stop telling your children to get married. Just leave them alone. There's no shame. Let them just be. Times have changed. (laughs) Times have changed. Oh, gosh. And we were only married for a year because we were just, we'd had an arrangement from the beginning. It was just stupid. Um, You guys were oil and water. Totally. And we weren't in love. We knew that. We were like, hey, let's do a social experiment. You know, all the relationships we've had have been shit when we felt we were in love. So we're not in love. So we'll just be in a relationship. Have you ever heard shit like that in your life? Sorry to use a word like that, but really, it's ridiculous. You can't do that. Right. So I hope everyone out there is laughing because, honestly, that social experiment was bad. I ended up doing extremely well in my career, so I was paying for everything. And his ex-wife and maintenance and everything. And I was like, no, no, what's happening here? <laughs> this situation's not Okay. 
Anyhow, then I met my now husband, moved to Australia post that, and started my practice. I'm a transformation coach, um, but started it very much with the passion to help people have purpose, but not really realizing how much of the change needed to start in me first. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's not what I know. It's who I am. Mm -hmm. Once you can fully love yourself, then you you can allow yourself to love other people. But until you love yourself, you're you're not going to get anywhere. No. And you know what? I have this conversation with so many people and they go, but I'm a good person. I'm kind to other people. But I really don't like the thought of loving myself. That is just not, that's awkward. I'll go, okay. So maybe what you're doing is you're wanting people to love you back because you can't love yourself and that's why you're so good to them. That feeling of being good to you, but do I know how to be good to me first? Do I know how to love me? Have I ever written myself a love letter? Have I forgiven myself for all the things that I am holding against myself? Have I released myself recognizing that I'm a human and in the moments of my life when I made decisions, I did the best I could with what I had and that's okay? Have I forgiven the other people that I'm holding all this anger and bitterness with? Because when I hold on to that, the seeds of bitterness are in my heart and it feeds my shame. You can't hold on to hate. I see it in like so many cases where people, you know, when they lose a loved one to murder or something, and they tell them, I forgive you because I just can't carry that around anymore. It's like they still live rent free in your mind, in your heart. It turns into anger and ain't nobody got no time for that. (laughs) We don't. No time for that. And you know what? If I'm holding on, my survival brain is telling me you're unsafe every time I think about them, which is why I get angry. Protect, 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 protect versus (sighs) releasing, let it go. Now, I have to say this to everyone out there. Letting go is interesting because it doesn't come from just saying I let it go you've not let it go it comes from acceptance it comes from acceptance see I can't change yesterday can I can I change everything in that story no no and honestly I feel like everything that happened in that story that's what makes you who you are today absolutely but I've got to look at it as a gift right Imagine if I hadn't, you know, you could probably could have done out with less, yeah. (laughs) But you know what it's taught me? It's taught me the resilience of the human spirit. It's taught me the imperfections of humanity. It's taught me that I'm worth so much, and only when I see it. And I accept it. Do I have peace? I love that. Isn't that so cool? We are so beautiful on the inside. We were born beautiful. I like to say sometimes we're beautifully broken. Yes. You just got to put the pieces back together again. (laughs) Yes. Now you got me excited. So, so (laughs) Tiffany. I've written my story in this new book of mine, right? But I've got an analogy, and the analogy is called the glass angel. Mm. Can I share a few few kind of pictures of it? Okay. Oh, absolutely. So, so this glass angel, is, it was my kind of reflection, because years ago I bought this glass angel when I met my now husband, John, and I said to him, honey, I'm a broken angel. And I always kind of carry that in my head, but I realize it's not broken. It's it's the journey I need to go in order to be this alchemy angel. Have you heard of alchemy? I have not. Okay, so alchemy is a, a word that they used back in, I'd say, between 1500 and 1800, where they try to take metal and turn it into gold. It was like this magical process. 
but I'm going to give you my definition of alchemy. It's taking something that doesn't seem precious and transforming it into something that is absolutely precious. And the magic that does that is love. I love that. Don't you love that? Because I've always been precious. It's just life's craziness is just stuck to me. And love washes that away, like it takes it away. But So this angel, she's flying in the sky with all the perfect angels and the wind whips her and smashes her to the ground. And her wings break. She turns around over her shoulders and all she sees are these jagged edges bleeding. And she looks down on the ground and she sees her brokenness. And her brokenness is broken trust. Expectations, love, all the things she had that she wanted to have in her life that she thought she had, gone. But like all broken angels, a silk scarf bag falls from heaven and hers is red and she picks up her broken pieces and she wraps them around her body. The key to this is She never forgets her brokenness because her broken pieces poke her all the time and draw blood and remind her of what she doesn't have. She comes across this ancient city where all broken angels go. And in this ancient city, they teach her how to use her pain as her weapon, like all broken angels. And she wins many battles and she gets well renowned and she gets money and she gets all these things but it doesn't take her pain away because her brokenness is still strapped to her body and one night she wakes up in this desert heat and she feels she's got to go for a walk and as she goes for a walk she finds another angel sitting around a fire as she walks towards this angel they welcome her in And she's not quite sure, is it safe, isn't it safe? You know, all the triggers that go off for us. And they say, have a seat, and she does. And when the angel looks at her, he calls her by her name that she's had, always had, not the name that they gave her in the ancient city where they teach broken angels how to rise. He calls her by her true name. And she says, well, how do you know my name? And he goes, because I see you. I see you not for your brokenness, but I see who you are. Oh, my God. I love that. Don't you love that? And she goes, well, who are you? And he said, well, this is who I am. And she goes, oh, my gosh, I've heard about you. He said, but that's not who I really am. This is who I really am. And he shares his name, and his name is Love, Ava. And she says, oh, so... You were that warrior that everyone followed and you were so well-renowned and suddenly you disappeared. He said, well, because I became me. I became free. I didn't need that anymore. And as Mm -hmm. he does this, he stands and from his back are these beautiful wings that stretch out behind him and his broken pieces have been put together in a kaleidoscope of liquid gold, beautiful, moving, just amazing, like a stained glass window that's alive. And she said, that's so beautiful. How how did you do that? And he says, well, it starts with acceptance and opening your heart. And then you've got to forgive. And then as you do that and as you work through it, Your love will come from your heart, collect your broken pieces and put your wings back together. And she does that and she she goes through this alchemy process of healing and her wings come back. And she says, but what do I do now with my life? He says, now you're called to teach other angels that they aren't broken, but they're just in a simple process of alchemy to come back to who they really are. Do you like that it? is great. I do. Oh, I do. It just, it hits so many different levels. And I think that's the story. 
We're not broken and our story is not shameful. It just is. Yeah. There is no tar and feathering. Remember the tar and feathering? I don't know. That's a thing. If you're a bad person, they're going to put tar on you and stick feathers to you, right? Or um, shaming you in public. There's nothing. That, that stuff shouldn't be. How can we be kind to each other? Honest. I believe love is fierce. Tiffany, love has boundaries. We're honest. We use our voice. We're brave. From love. Love can teach you a lot about yourself. So much, right? Mm -hmm. So much. And actually, if you listen to how you talk about yourself, you will recognize if you love yourself or if you are punishing and abusing yourself. For example, I'm so stupid. No, you're not. In that moment, you were forgetful because you like running around and you could have done better in that moment. That's all. It is done. I'm so fat. Mm. You are probably recognizing that you're in an uncomfortable space with your weight and there's a wonderful opportunity to make it better or to just accept it for what it is. Do you hear the difference? Absolutely. I always say if you don't like something about yourself, you have the opportunity to fix it. Opportunities are there, but it's in your court. You can't go to sleep one day, wake up, and you think you're going to look like Cinderella. It doesn't work. <laughs> Damn, ladies, it does not work. Take a little bit of effort, right? Yeah, exactly. You have to work for what you want. Nothing in life is just handed to you. Nothing. You have to work at it. Every day you work at everything. You work at everything. So with that, your challenge is to work on yourself mm -hmm. on the inside. I have someone that I met with a client I work with. I said, so, hey, Barry. Barry's such an Australian. We call him Baz, I hear him. Hey, Barry. <clears throat> uh how did it go with that book I gave you? Because my previous book was called Grow Me, and it was quite simple. It was just the tools to unlock you. And he went, yeah, no, Christina, bad. I go, why, Barry? Cause he, and he said, because who the hell wants to look inside anyway? <laughs> and he's just saying what we think. Right. You have to look inside, though. You have to face whatever it is that is holding you back because nobody's holding you back. You're holding yourself back. 100%. You are telling yourself stories that you're believing. Eckhart Tolle. Do you know Eckhart Tolle? Have you heard of him? No. He's got a book called The Power of Now. Okay? And it is very much helping you be present, okay? And the only reason I'm saying that is because then I can recognize if my thoughts, because there's many thoughts. We are not our thoughts. Like that's his whole philosophy. We are not our thoughts, which I love. Because how many thoughts do you have in one day? If Thank you were you. in my head, you'd probably be scared. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So I'm not my thoughts. And I'm also not my emotions. There's a beautiful essence inside of me who I really am. And when I'm peaceful and present, it comes out. For example, are you married, Tiffany? I'm not. I'm engaged. Okay, you got a partner. When you fell in love with this man, woman, beautiful person, man. <laughs> I've got to be politically correct. Okay, so you fell in love with them and you looked into their eyes. Did you see them and did they see you? Yes. Mm. He takes my crazy. <laughs> crazy. Because he doesn't love you for who you are not. He loves you because he can see that essence in you and he loves you for that. He loves you for the best parts of you. Yeah. He's a fool. No. <laughs> <laughs> He's brave is what you should say. He's a brave man. <laughs> anyone who can deal with my craziness 
Well, let me tell you, how's this? The more you work on you, the better your relationship becomes with your partner. I agree. I feel like your partner, though, also has to work on themselves because you can't be the one always lifting, lifting if they're not doing anything. It's got to meet in the middle. It has to, yet you have got no control over their choice of growth or their pace. So listen to that. (laughs) My husband is head of finance for a company and they get them a coach. Now, I'm a coach, like companies get me to go in, but he's now standing in the kitchen, Mr. English, Mr. Darcy, with his cup of tea looking at me going, they've given me a coach. I went, oh, that's wonderful. He goes, no, that's not wonderful. I went, why is it not wonderful? He goes, because there's nothing wrong with me and I don't want to grow. Oh, God. I said, baby, you're talking to the wrong person. Right? I said, how about you use this moment with that coach as moments to explore your choice? Reflect on what they're saying and then you explore the choices you want to make based on what you're seeing. Might be easier coming from somebody else that he doesn't know and see every day. I try you to coach him. Be a little him. more honest with yourself. Yeah, he had a good cry with me and he went, nah, cannot do this with you. I was like, okay, honey, that's okay. I love you. But here's the thing I can't change him, but the change in me will flow through our relationship because I will start seeing him for who he is, not who he isn't. And my behavior will have boundaries and I'll own the shit out of my crazy because <laughs> we all got crazy every yeah. one of us they, I've not met someone who doesn't right and I teach him a language so we have a language in the house so as soon as I feel overwhelmed and he can see it he goes hey Tina you're grabbing that shame bag it's an old story and I think it's in the middle of, of us right now <laughs> I'm like dude don't tell me about the shame bag but <laughs> I know you're right I let it go <laughs> Slowly. (laughs) Let me hit you with a shame bag. That's my judge, right? Um, Probably knows I'm probably heading there with that anyway, right? Um, But I have seen such a transformation in him based on me. And I've seen him grow because I've not made it mandatory, but I've showered my love for myself first and then for them and they can see it's different. But they can very clearly see I use my voice. I don't have any problems there. (laughs) Yeah. Use your voice. Use your voice with love. Yes. You know, uh, I've got to think, if I'm going to say to you what I really want to say to you, uh, and that's going to come out in fear. So I'm going to say to you, first I'm going to switch my source. I'm weird. Two sources, love or fear. My son goes, he's got a deep baritone voice, he's 18. And because of my PTSD, when he goes on a da-da-da-da-da, I get anxious. You know, he goes, he's quite direct. And I've got to say, Josh, you've got to talk to me different, babe. Because um, the, the pace at which you're talking and the, the speed and the depth, it's just sending me into many directions. Yeah, I really love you. But you've got to just be gentle with me. Um, do you hear how I've communicated? Yeah. I've got to work on those fear triggers based on the hearing and the sound. But no one can do that for me, and I don't know if some of that will take a lifetime to heal from. But in that moment, I can recognize what I need in order to stay peaceful. That's what's important. Is that you're finding mechanisms that work for you, and that's perfect. Isn't it just? That's growth. This is growth. And I want to share one more thing. About five years ago, my son was suffering, suffering from mental health issues, so he wasn't going to school. He'd been bullied. <clears throat> And the school sent us to a family counsellor and I was like, oh, God. Now all the peas are going to fall out the jar, surely. Um, 
And I was doing my workaholic thing, arriving with my suitcases because I was traveling to another state to do work. And I had an hour and the hire car was fetching me. Let's just get on with it. Let's go. And the psychologist says to me, do you think you could work less? And that was where I realized I have some big healing to do. I said to her, are you out of your mind? Do you see that man over there who's my now husband, the Mr. Darcy, that really loves me? I said, he has no need to take care of me and my children. So I have to trust him that he will. You tell me to work less and I'm telling you I need to take care of my children. I'm telling you a good version of what I said, by the way. (laughs) The tears were coming out like a cartoon out the sides of my face. My husband was crying. My son was crying and the psychologist phoned me afterwards, said to me, Christina, you don't want to hear this, but I'm telling you, you've got PTSD. It manifested in that session. If you don't heal, your family won't heal. Mm. Got to find a trauma. I said, can you help me? She said, no, I'm a family. I don't deal in adult trauma, you need to find someone who can help you. So I found a doctor of psychology who's American, living locally, Dr. Robert Fullerton. Love him to bits. The coaching slash therapy he gave me was from a place of compassion and acceptance. And it turned all the stuff I knew about behaviors into Love, healing, forgiveness, and growth. And I am on a continual alchemy process, Tiffany, and I am okay with it. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. Which is why I want to encourage everyone to start with loving themselves first. You have to. That's where it all begins. Absolutely. There is no other place, no other way. Right. Nobody can love you until you love yourself. Absolutely. And it's not vanity. Please. If you have a religious background, there is a key thing around humility. And I do believe that you can love yourself and be humble because when you love yourself, it's not ego. It's knowing your worth. Thank you. And it's not exchanging your worthiness with other people every single day. Exactly. And man, we know how to ask for someone's worthiness, don't we? Yes. (laughs) We do. It's part of that judgment thing that I was just telling you about, right? Earlier we were talking about. But I can choose not to get caught in your hook by remembering who I am. And by the way... It's not that I'm like the superhero. I'm still going to have fear. I just choose not to live there. Yeah, you're human. That is what makes you human, right? Otherwise, you're going to walk in front of a a bus or something ridiculous. I mean, everyone, no matter what you do with your life, you're always going to have good days. You're always going to have bad days. That's just life. Life can be hard. (laughs) You just one step in front of the other, take it day by day, and just think, I can, I can, I can. Absolutely. And maybe you can have this lens. Who knows what is good or what is bad? If you are in a safe place and your boundaries are good, but you're having a shitty day, maybe you can just be okay with that day. Tomorrow's a new day. Thank you so much. Tomorrow's a new day and you'll laugh, but I do this. I've got a big purple carpet in my office and if I'm having a bad day, I lie on the carpet and get up again. And my daughter who works with me goes, Mom, what are you doing? I go, I got up on the wrong side of the bed. (laughs) So I'm getting up again. (laughs) I'm doing it as a practical, like uh, I'm I'm walking it out here. I'm going to get up and choose that today's going to be a good day because I choose it. That is great. Yeah, what you're doing is manifesting. Totally. And that is so important. I tell people just because, you know, your life didn't turn out the way you want you wanted to. I mean, either did I, you know, I'm not a princess or, you know, where's my castle? Yes. I don't have any of that. No, no, no. But you can still have everything you ever wanted. 
You just have to manifest it and you have to believe it and you have to want it and you have to work for it. You need some positive action. You got to take action. You got to step into your life and live it. Absolutely. And I do believe I'm a firm believer in manifestation. I have my vision boards up here in my office everywhere. Uh, You can't see it. I had to move my green screen this morning. Otherwise I'd have a big green background. Um, (laughs) But I manifested coming to Australia, having this beautiful home. We're about to move to our dream home. Dream. Dream in Sydney, which is one of the expensive, most expensive places in the world to live. Anyway, it's a nice home. It's beautiful. Front, red front door. About to move in there. We've managed to look at our pension and build up a good egg, nest egg that we can retire on. And my children work with me. I, I I, I can't tell you. You can manifest anything. I wrote the books I want to write. Do you know what? I've written them. Yeah. I, I always say I always get what I want. It's not when I want it, but mm. I always get what I want. So there's the key. Maybe you can we can use that as a reflection. So if I'm fearing about things, I'll get that too. I'll attract where my heart is. Yeah, it's so powerful. It, it can do things that you never even dreamt of. 100%. So why don't we live our life with joy, acceptance, um, healing, be open to healing, own our shit, because otherwise we fall over our shit. Um, you know, say sorry, be gentle, be generous, be better with other people because you're better with yourself first. Reprogram your thoughts by knowing who you are and loving yourself. Write yourself love letters. Why the hell not, man? You're going to write the best bloody love letter to yourself that you've ever received. (laughs) That's truth. Isn't that truth? (laughs) Like my family go, oh, mom's birthday's coming up, but she always buys what she likes. (laughs) Of course I do. I like that. And if I can afford it and it looks good, I'm going to buy it for me because I can spoil me. I buy myself the best Christmas gifts. (laughs) Thank you. And I wrap them up and I put my husband's name on there. (laughs) I don't do that. I have no control. I'm like, I'm wearing them now. (laughs) I go, look, baby, what you bought me. So lovely. (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) Well, we share our money. So, hey, this is wonderful. You know? (laughs) And look, look, do you see the joy? Why not? Why not? Why not Why choose not? the life you want? No, you can have it. You can have it. You can have it. You know, I always thought when I started this business, I had no funding for the first two years. Um, my husband was supporting us, but I was like putting business expenses on our home. And I said to him, I want to make a difference to people's lives. I'm going to have a business. I'm going to do this because I'd come from a senior. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I, I was a previously a senior manager and I wanted to do this. Didn't turn out how I thought it turned out better. Oh yeah. There's usually some bumps in the road. It's, it's totally. not easy. And you know what it is? It's not how big and sexy my business is. It's about the lives I change every single day. I can have a profitable business. I can have. I can be making millions, but my my desire from the start was to touch people's lives. You can't get away from your purpose, and it manifests in the way it needs to when you are on that healing journey. And the fulfillment and joy that I have is beyond measure. I don't get up to work. I just get up and live my life. I get up every day. Yeah, I, that's what I, I, I don't work, wait, I don't live to work, I work to live. <laughs> yes, I love what I do, because it has purpose and meaning. Yes, makes you feel good. When you know that you can totally transform somebody's entire life, that is powerful. And Isn't that powerful? it's it's. Oh, it's the word that I want. It's liberating, like, uh, uh, inspiring. Yes, thank you. I like, will say yes, this. This is why I'm doing it. <laughs> 
some people don't want to grow. And organizations pay me to work with the organizational leadership team to help them. And I've had to come to the place where I honor their, I honor them for where they're at. Because make somebody change if they don't want to. They have to want it themselves. You can't want it for somebody else. You can't do it for somebody else. It's got to be for you. Totally. I've got to do it because I'm choosing me. Yes, you should always choose you. You should always choose you. Because if you don't choose you, you'll want other people to fill your bucket and they don't have the capacity to do that. Uh-uh. It ain't going to happen. <laughs> no. And then you get in nasty and angry with them. Right. How dare you? How dare you? You're not giving me what I need. I'm unfulfilled. Okay, cool. <laughs> Go lay on the purple rug. <laughs> Go lie on the purple rug. Get up later. Feel better. <laughs> Feel better. I love it. It's a choice. Life is a choice and how we live our life is a choice. And the transformation starts in us first, always. You want your life to be better? Look inside. Simple. And when you look look inside, don't get a heart attack. Some of it might look ugly and stinky. But it is... Turn it into something beautiful by shifting your lens. Yeah. Because you are perfect. You're perfect in your imperfection. Perfect. And your story is your alchemy. It is beautiful. Only when you allow it to be. I love that. Isn't that so cool? Yes. Uh (laughs) And with that, Tiffany, I'll have to send you a book. Whoop, whoop. Yes. Ooh. If somebody wanted to buy it, are they on Amazon or where? Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Very good. Yeah, and they're available now, even though we're only launching officially on the eighteenth of October. Oh, on my birthday! Oh well, happy early birthday! Thank you. I thought, what a time to birth the story of my healing. That's perfect. Isn't that perfect? Mm-hmm. I like that. I'm all about significant moments. <laughs> <laughs> you need significant moments. No, I get it. I keep everything. If something means something to me, like I'm I'm that kind of hoarder where I'll keep it because I just can't because it meant something to me. Like I have my first paycheck ever. I have my first car key still. Like Why do I need this? I don't, but it means something to me. (laughs) I'm with you. And now that I'm 48 and I look back, I think those are the moments, right? You you hold that key and you can feel what you felt in that moment. Yes. I thought I was the shit. (laughs) (laughs) Watch out, world. Yes, Tiffany. Oh my gosh. And now you look back, I, I see my 18 year old son and I go, oh, dude, you got a journey ahead of you. He goes, Ma, how do I make money quickly? I go, I don't know. <laughs> right. I don't know. You're asking the wrong person. <laughs> I don't know how you make money quickly. I can only teach you how to show up for your life and whatever happens from there is what it is. Yeah, there is no quick fix. No. And this is important it's embracing the journey. Mm-hmm. Dancing in the rain. Can you stop the rain from falling, Tiffany? Nope. No. So why do we why do we shout and scream at it? I actually like it when it rains, as long as I don't need to drive in it or go mm-hmm. anywhere, and it's not flooding homes. <laughs> I like a rain though. I do like rain. The rain on a roof is the most um, peaceful way to fall asleep. That's how I fall asleep every night. I put my rain on because it's just so soothing. Yeah. So we are twins in another life. I've got my cello music going with the rain. It's it's a che- it's on calm and it puts me to sleep. It's between that or a story. And my husband and I are weirdos because we'll lie there and he go, story. And I'll go, no, cello. He goes, no, 
story. That's what we talk about before we go to bed. <laughs> See, I can't do that because I'll listen to it and then I won't sleep. Just like with the TV, radio, I can't have any of that because I will sit up and listen to it. <laughs> I know I pass out. I can sleep on a. I can sleep on a plane, a train. I put classical music in my ears and I'm gone. I sleep. Hopefully I'm not drooling or snoring. But hey, I'm sorry to the passengers <laughs> around me. <clears throat> this is life. That's right. Drool and all. <laughs> Drool and all, you know. And if they ever had to put a picture of me snorting or drooling or whatever, on, and it comes up, I'll just have to have a good laugh because it is what it is. Yep. Can't change it. No. I can't. And I'm not willing to not be me. So here Absolutely. I am, world. Here I am. I am me. Yeah, that's what I've always said. Take me or leave me. You Either mm. people are going to love me or they're going to hate me. And I don't really give a shit which one it is. So I am who I am. Take me or leave me. And you, your, your fear belongs to you. It's not mine. Your judgment belongs to you. It's not mine. If you are not living life fully and on your journey of alchemy, then I will listen to your reflections, but I will listen it, listen to it with the lens that it's coming from a place of discomfort for you and that's okay for me, not love. Yeah. How cool is that? Mm-hmm. To, be, to go from being this person who thought she was broken to now – living in a space where we can walk with others in their journey, that's so cool. That's very cool. It's very cool. And do you know in the U.S. it is uh, Domestic Violence Awareness Month, Purple Ribbon? I do. I've been posting so far on my Instagram. <laughs> <clears throat> we've got to tell our stories, ladies, and we've got to, let it go. If you've got a domestic violence story, tell it and let it go. And men. It does happen to oh, men. Oh, yes. You know what? You are right. There are men. I have a friend in South Africa and he was married to a woman that was, she beat him up. It was terrible. And women treat men, emotional abuse. Oh, yeah. That goes both ways. Totally. I think men will hide it more than women. Oh, for sure. They're embarrassed. I'm getting beat up by a girl. You know what I mean? So they're like, no. But you don't have to settle. Never settle. You don't have to settle. You just are called to heal. Get out. Get your feet on the ground. And choose to change your life. Not because you are not worth it and because you are bad, but because you are so worth it. So worth it. You're so worth it. I send you love, world. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thank you for hanging out with me. Oh, my God. Thank you for coming on. I love this. Ugh, we touched on pretty much everything that just is everything that I wanted for the show. So, like, we... Checked all the boxes. <laughs> I am so excited. Thank you. And You're I'm, welcome. Thank you. Uh, you know what? It's my pleasure. It's time for our stories to be told. Absolutely. That's why I'm doing this. I'm hoping maybe it can help transform <clears throat> somebody's life. We'll see. Just one person. Yeah. That listens to it. One person. That's what we want. Thank you. Thank you. I want to give you a big hug. I'm going to give you a hug. Mm, yep. Hugging out, hugging <laughs> out, girl. <laughs> I hope we stay in touch. I'll try and follow you on socials and uh, yes. be in your world. Will that Find be okay? Find me on Instagram. That's mostly where I have most of my following. Facebook's like here and there, but I'm on okay. there, obviously. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Facebook girl. Maybe it's because I'm almost 50 and, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I will follow you on Insta. <laughs> Yay! Keeping mm. brave and so beautiful. Yes. Mwah. 
Thank you. And just like that, you guys should be following me on Instagram too. On whatever platform you listen on, please like, follow, and subscribe. Make sure you head over to crimeovercocktails.com. That's where it's your one-stop shop. Pretty much everything you need is right there. All right, you guys, we'll talk crime another time. Bye.